We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is recorded. We pay our respect to their leaders, past, present and emerging. Hello everyone, it's Colin. This is Leadership of Fools and I'm a little bit giddy today. A little bit giddy because I'm back in the studio. This is super exciting. Um, In fact, I walked into the studio and I thought, oh my goodness, it feels like some level of normality and some sense of, oh, you know, you're going to hear who who we have on the line and who's in the studio with me. But I also felt a little bit nervous as well. So um, it's wonderful to be be back. And we have a fabulous group of people to join us today. And I'm going to introduce them in a moment and get them to almost tell us a little bit more about where they are in the world and what they do and uh, especially why they do it. Uh, But we'll be releasing this just at the end of what is a crazy year, 2020. And the topic today, I think, will be a little bit about making some sense of the year, but probably more importantly, the question of what's next. What's next for uh, leaders out there, HR professionals, anyone who cares about people, essentially? Uh, What's next in terms of you and what's next for how you support others? But let me do my introductions. Um, In studio, I have Shana, Shana Peters. Hello and welcome. Hi, Colin. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's awesome. I'll come back to you and ask those questions about what is it you do and why you do do them. But on Zoom... In two wonderful destinations, uh, let me go to Noosa first. And in Noosa, I have Helen. Helen, do you want to just say hello? Hi, Colin. Hi, Shana. Hi, Gail. Um, and I can't help it. I will just ask, what's the weather like in Noosa today? It's weltering today. We've got a top of 35. So, yeah, it's a hot one. It's a hot one. Fantastic. And uh, is it just as hot and maybe even hotter in Darwin? And I have Gail in Darwin. Can you tell us? I I suspect it probably is. (laughs) We've been having, God forbid, in the hottest month of the year, a heat wave. So I think it's about 37 and probably 90% humidity. Oh, wow. And um, given your uh, background, uh, you may even be able to convert this to Fahrenheit for our global listeners so what is 37? Is that close to 100 Fahrenheit? Yeah, I think it would be. Yes, yes. It'd probably be right around yeah, 99, 100. Who knew that this is the podcast of weather and conversion to Fahrenheit and Celsius? I, I never knew, but let me, um, let me do the more formal introductions. So Gail, I might even start with you and work my way backwards. Um, what is it that you do? And, and the more important question for me is often, why, why do you do it? So yeah, so um, my name's Gail Power. I'm founder of Mindful Territory. And I basically Mindful Territory is sort of a reflection of my sort of last uh, 25, 30 years professionally. Um, I am a researcher, a writer and a consultant and my specialty is around productivity. So what makes uh, individuals organizations, communities, the most productive, uh, resilient and effective that they can be. 
And that doesn't mean working harder or longer hours or anything like that, but really trying to find that sweet spot, that flow um, that helps us to, to, to do what we love and, and, and do it well and help others essentially. And um, I, I guess I, you can probably tell I'm originally from the United States, but I uh, have lived in Australia since 2000 <clears throat> and I was a consultant in uh, education and training space primarily um, and then became a senior research analyst at uh, a think tank at Sydney Uni called uh, the Workplace Research Center where we worked with the Productivity Commission um, and then Ernst & Young and all of that brought me to, to, to Broome and the Kimberley and then now up to Darwin and I guess why I do it is over the past I guess, regardless of who I was working with, whether it was teachers uh, dealing with children on the playground or interviewing CEOs of you know, top ASX listed companies, they were all sort of saying the same thing, that they were missing these certain skills around resilience and difficult conversations and dealing with change. And I happened to do a uh, program called Search Inside Yourself Mindfulness Leadership Program that was a, originated at Google where they started to train their engineers, IT engineers in mindfulness mm -hmm. because of burnout. And what they found is that it became their most popular program worldwide, so much so that all their clients like Fitbit and LinkedIn and et cetera said, can we do it? And so then they started to train up trainers like myself. And what we find is through years and years of doing the training on mass that companies can actually link it to greater productivity, uh, better well-being, lower costs because of less stress leave, et cetera. Wow. So mindful territory is kind of all of those things wrapped into one. Brilliant, brilliant. And I can't wait to unpack at least some of that in this conversation because I'd imagine the question of productivity combined with health, pandemic, stress, anxiety, adrenaline, like it's a, it must be a fascinating combination. But let me hand to you, Helen, the uh, same two questions. What is it that you do and, and why do you do them? Why do you do it, I should say? Oh, thanks, Colin. Um, so what do I do? The really simple answer is HR, but it's not so simple because HR, I think, takes on such a myriad of different responsibilities and we have a gazillion different hats that we wear. Um, but I started Inspired People Solutions about 15 years ago now because I'm a bit of a square peg round hole fan. I never sort of met an organisation where I kind of fitted in quite well. And there was always, I always found there was different ways of doing things. There's no right way of doing things. So um, what I do is go into businesses and look at um, how they can basically take care of their employees the best way that they can. And where I thrive is having um, a healthy and a productive and a satisfied workforce. And I think HAR HR's primary responsibility is to take care of their employees, but it's also now to nurture them, 
to give them um, opportunity to grow, to stretch themselves, to give them challenge, but also a safe place to work as well. So absolutely, I think, you know, HR is so broad in that aspect, but where I really, I think, thought where we could add value, and I think, you, you know, for those of you that can see me, there might be a mark on my forehead where I was banging my head against a wall for ages. Where I am really passionate about is about flexibility. and. Right. I seem to be working about 10 years ago with a whole group of HR women in particular who um, had got to that GM role, but we all were educated, but we all needed to have different changes in our lives, whether that be a career change or following a lifestyle passion or going and starting a family. And we all sort of looked around when we came back from having our babies going, oh, is there any spot for us? to go back into the workplace. So I've been a massive advocate for flexible working practices, for people pursuing whatever lifestyle pursuits that they want along with following their career path as well. So I kind of think that we aren't given a rule book in this life. There's no, this is the right way, this is the wrong way. There's no black and white. I kind of believe the world is a whole world of grey, to be honest with you, and that we hopefully following COVID, we have seen that people can work remotely from anywhere they want at different hours that they want. And our workforce goes to a more output or KPI driven functionality rather than the standard, you know, beat your desk at eight, leave at six. You know, I'm hoping that for there's different genders have gone through different changes. You know, we're at a generation now with um, Gen X, we're partners want different things families are different Absolutely. makeups we yep. all want to be able to pursue something a more holistic lifestyle i think and work is one component of that and um so i'm a bit of a advocate for working with organizations that allow people no matter what your situation is to pursue a lifestyle as well as a career so that's you know it's it is hr i love hr i love seeing people succeed see them stretched achieve but also have the capacity to walk a different path if that's what they choose to do in life. So why do I do it? Because it's so great to do something different. It's so great to go, oh, I did take a year off travelling Australia. It was so worth it. I created so many memories and I can come back to still do what I love. Like I just like challenging the status quo a little bit. So I do it because for me that gives me such a buzz. But you also create really beautiful memories for people and you're involved in that. So well, it sounds like, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but it sounds like living a full life. Like it's, yes. there's something about, yeah. Yes. And no matter yes. whether, even if you don't feel like you quite fit, like, mm. um, and I think there's people have always felt that way, but we're starting to liberate that. Definitely. Yeah. And it comes back to, you know, it ties in nicely with, what Gail was talking about, about productivity and mindfulness. And, you know, there's a whole heap of stuff that we can learn as HR that's just not, you know, we, we are essentially there to mitigate risk for organisations and employees, but there's so much more to it now, I think. And that's kind of the fun place to be. Brilliant. I, I love it. Shana, I know a little bit about your background and it does connect with the HR story. And just before you do those two questions, I suspect HR has been one of the hidden heroes of 2020. Like if I, uh, all of my clients, when I'm speaking to the HR professionals, they've probably never been more in demand. They've never been more important, but I don't 
won't necessarily say they're always as well recognized and maybe are somewhat guilty of the lack of self-care, like self-attention. Um, but HR has been so vital this year. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think it's HR's time to shine, really. I think we're up in lights at the moment, which is great. And I think it's great to see us really having that really active place at the table. Yeah. And so your two questions, what is it that you do and why? So I spent most of my career in big corporates and really tried to navigate around how I can play a role. And the way I present myself is I'm in the people business. So that's how I like to position myself. Um, one of the things that I'm, I got really passionate about in, in big corporates in particular is really helping people just find who they are and what they want to be and what they want to do and that be um, really senior leaders through to really junior people trying to find and navigate their way through big complex organisations and how can they get to where they want to be and find their strengths and really thrive and, and excel in their careers. Um, and a bit like um, Helen really helped women in particular with that transition, you know, doing it myself and making my own mistakes along the way, but then also having some really great successes too with things like job share and flexible working that I became a big advocate in big corporates around how to do that and do that well and share those learnings with people that were struggling to do that transition. But the same with anybody. I think um, males too really struggle to do that. It is, you know, there's, there's different reasons why it's different and harder for them. So having those questions about, well, you know, why can't you do it? So, again, a bit around that challenging um, how you can do it and do it well. And and I think one of the other things I learned about that is really showing that commercial lens back to businesses. It's not just about a personal reason, but there is a commercial reason why it's clever to do. Which which um, all three of you have mentioned, like it's the productivity, yeah. the value add, yeah. um, and at least that gives us, you know, the classic seat at the table, the, the, the ability to influence leadership and businesses in a sustained way yeah Yeah. absolutely and then decided about three four years ago to kind of step away from the corporate world and start my own consulting business and at the same time work on a fabulous passion project which was looking at um, and that's where I met Gail was working on a program that really looked at building STEM pathways into low socioeconomic areas really kind of creating careers for especially kids that were some of them third fourth generation um unemployed, come from unemployed families, really struggling to know where their place was in life and really shifting and changing their careers and agitating people like high schools, tertiary, government, um, industry, just really kind of bringing all of those people together and going, how can we kind of make a real difference and kind of change some of those stigmas and um, and give you know people opportunities locally to have real careers and really almost by default really invigorate some of these communities that are struggling and make them really successful and thrive. So Amazing. Um, and Amazing. Then, and then, then Alona and I joined forces, So, and that's kind of where I'm at right now is we've um, created Shiloh, which is obviously the combination of our names. Um, and what we're really about is I think what we found is we're both very values-driven and there's three things we're really passionate about. And one is really getting in and agitating and showing what good HR can look like. Right. The other one is about clients and really showing them firstly that but then also what real HR good HR solutions can look like not come in and have preconceived ideas but really come in understand the culture understand the business understand those three things which are customer commercial and people and bringing that together and solving solutions thinking about all of those elements and then the final things our consultants so being consultants ourselves it's it can be really lonely yes 
And HR is one of those things when you're dealing with people, it's not black and white. There's lots of grey and it's really, um, we're really trying to create this community where people can share ideas, share best practice. We'll connect consultants where we think that they've got some synergies or they're working on similar projects where they can bounce stuff off each other. We've started to create, you know, channels like Slack where they can kind of connect with each other. So you're giving um, HR professionals meaningful experience as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So for me, it's, it has got to be a win-win. If, you, if the client is happy and the consultant's happy, everyone wins. Yes. Okay. And I can almost know the answer to this question because of how much you light up as you're speaking, whether it's mm. about the, the STEM experience and influencing high schools and then bringing all these parties together. But why is it you do what you do? I just love people and helping people. It's as simple as that, really. I think when I think about it over my career, it doesn't matter what I do, whether it's work or personally, it's just my innate nature to want to help um, and just get a real buzz out of that. So do you know what? I know already that this could be, I think we said at one stage we were going to do a trilogy or who knows yeah. how many episodes we're going to do, but there's so many stories already and I'm only just scratching the surface. So uh, who knows who's going to answer this, but what brings the three of you together? What's the connection? Why, um, what's the purpose? What are, you, what are you equally passionate about or want to achieve? I think partly it's probably a little bit of my doing. <laughs> um, I just have loved working with Gail and Helen over my career and um, they're just people that straight away our values are aligned. Um, we come from the same place and we, we all want the same thing, which is to just genuinely help people. Great, great. Does that resonate for both of you? And I think also too it's, you know, I, uh, in some ways, a little bit of what everybody just said, you know, Helen saying that she was like a square peg in a round hole. I think I always felt that way too, you know, and, and then uh, in working with Sharna, um, Sharna made me realize the importance of, and, th and this is based, uh, there's a research study that actually was done by Google, that what makes the greatest team and they did looked at all of their different data sets, et cetera, and they couldn't find any um, sort of trends. It, it, the things you'd think about like diversity or different personality types, et cetera, and none of those really seemed to resonate in the data. And then the one thing that did though, however, was psychological safety. Yes. And so in working with Sharna, it made me remember those moments because I had actually come from working in a big uh, corporate consultancy where I didn't have any psychological safety and, bur and was burnt out. And then when you all of a sudden connect with somebody like Sharna and work with them and get that back again, that psychological safety, and then we start working together on other things. Um, she did the Search Inside Yourself course where I facilitated then introduced me to other people like Helen. And it's so great because you start to then develop something which I think we all fundamentally are passionate about, which is like a connection economy where we develop connections. That's what we love to do. We're bridges to those connections. And we help people along the way. We don't know everything, but we can at least give people that, that helping hand to get them to a better spot. So you know that I couldn't help myself. I've already written down connection economy. I love it. Um, yeah. So, but let's, um, not but, I want to unpack the question of uh, the three of you experiencing your own level of psychological safety. What's that meant 
practically for the three of you and therefore what does that potentially mean for what you might want to achieve together? And I think we're still working through that and that's the that's the beauty of this is that it is really about, like Gail said, really helping each other. I think what you realise is, and especially through this pandemic, is the real true way we're going to survive is by helping each other be successful right. and succeed. And I think it's about any opportunity I see to support these two women, I will do it in a heartbeat. And that's just, you know, and I think that's, and we're still forming that relationship too. So we're still in that kind of forming stage of, yeah of what this could mean and what we could do to kind of help each of us thrive. And for you, Helen, like it is, does it, um, and maybe I'm putting words in someone's mouth around this, but does it feel like you can truly be yourself? Uh, and again, I'm not just talking about the three of you, but is that thematically one of the biggest things from 2020? People being able to truly find themselves being who they are being able to express what they really believe? Well, I'm probably the wrong person to ask Colin because I'm a really old duck and I'm like, I worked out, I'm not everybody's cup of tea and that's <laughs> kind of okay. And you can take it, take me or leave me, but what you see is what you get. Um, right. And I think people have to realise that too, that there is an opportunity here to just genuinely be yourself and in a work capacity, not everybody has to be your friend, but there has to be a genuine, let's do this together and you play to people's strengths and you help them work through their weaknesses. But there needs to be an underlying genuineness. And I think with certainly Shana, who, you know, I've known for a number of years, we have a genuineness, we have each other's back, we genuinely want each other to succeed. And it is very much in a connection economy here like we do share work together we do ring each other when we're in a pickle or we want to bounce off each other so there's a genuineness that we do want each other to succeed and that's the way we've kind of worked for a while and I think if teams can bring that with tapping into Gail's expertise if teams can bring that to the forefront then that's going to be a great powerful synergy and you will achieve some amazing things if if that's the way you want to operate. So I was just going to say, and I was going to build on that too, just around what COVID's done is really unpack and show where good leaders have thrived and leaders that haven't been so great have really struggled. Mm. And, and it is about some of the things we're talking about. It is about connection and probably the bigger one is trust, that they don't trust their people. And when things like they've been forced to work from home, people have been, they've really, really struggled about trusting them to do that. And as soon as things have opened up, they're just straight away, I want you back in the office, I want you back full time. It's like, whoa, hang on. I don't think, I think we've just got to really think about how we are going to transition back. And I think that's been. All right. So now you've fired me up. Like Sorry. I'm really fired up about this in a good way, just to be clear, just in a good way. Like how do we, um, I'm, I'm so passionate about this. How do we leverage from what has been a really shitty year and a crappy experience, the, the amazing, incredible things that have actually happened. So whether that's been the permission, the not just the permission, but the you must work flexibly right now. Um, how do we leverage the fact that in some respects, some organizations are talking about our culture has never been better. We're, we're grateful, we're supportive, we're collaborative. Mm -hmm. And yet there's this real risk that all probably four of us experienced that some organizations won't be able to help themselves by reverting um, and what a lost opportunity. Um, 
So how do we ensure they don't revert? Just an easy oh, one, easy question. It's so tricky, isn't it? Because sometimes when you go back to the office in the same four walls, you get stuck in that routine and you go back to that rut. And I think if there's anything that HR and leadership should learn from COVID is to take the learnings and then have a think tank together and develop a new way of working moving forward. Like don't lose what you've lost here. Right. And none is bang on. There has been some employment relationships have started off with an inherent mistrust between manager and employee. So it's managed by presenteeism, not managed by output. And if COVID's taught us anything, you have to trust your employees to be able to produce the results that you're asking them for. So you've got to really give people the benefit of the doubt and get them involved in how they want the culture to be moving forward. It needs to be on an individualised basis about what's going to ensue certain employees because there will be significant changes to what the work fit looks like going back into 2021 but also get your team involved and get buy-in from the team so everybody participates in well, this is what worked really well and this is what didn't work and it gets shaped on a community um, basis rather than an individual one I think. And I, I think um, from, from my perspective when I've been doing talks post-COVID and whatnot you know, we keep saying, oh, when are we going to go back to, you know, normal? And my sense is that the, there is no kind of new normal. And the reason being is that what COVID has done has finally pushed employees to have to be more be more mindful, whether they like it or not. Um, so the definition, like a simple definition of mindfulness is, uh, being aware in the present moment on purpose, non-judgmentally, right? So previously to COVID, even if you wanted to work from home, a lot of people had never really been empowered to think about how do I want to construct my life around or, or construct work around my life to have yes. it fit better, right? Yes. Being forced to work from home and just even the simple things, getting a desk, a proper chair, the proper light, whatever, all of a sudden it's forced everybody, because things are changing so quickly, to be in the moment, <laughs> to be in the present, etc. right? And once you start practicing those tools, it's very, very hard to go, go back because all of a sudden you're more self-aware, you have better self-management, you're better at vocalizing to your employer no, 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 that's not going to work for me. I'm much more clear about who I am, what my needs are, et cetera. So this is something we've been hounding on for, for years around what Helen was talking about with flexibility, like let you know employees now uh, with the internet and everything like that, they don't have to go to an office, let them construct things around their life and they will be more productive. That's what all the research shows. And I think what's happened here is pre-COVID, right? we already had epidemic levels of burnout in Australia and worldwide in industrial economies. We have this also, I always talk about an attention economy that we're living in. So all of a sudden our attention is being sort of bought and sold on the world stage. Yep. So where we put our attention has never been more important than before. Yes. And then all of a sudden then what hits, you know, so, so, but our attention actually, we're losing our attention research shows. So here we're in a place where we're burnt out. We need to focus our attention, but our attention is waning. 
And then all of a sudden a pandemic comes. <laughs> so it was like the trifecta that had, in some ways had to happen. Yeah, and it's happened. forced people now to be like, I have to be in the moment because I don't know what's going to happen. And I think it's going to be very hard for workplaces to go back to how it was because people have changed, you know, and what they're, they've gotten clear about their needs. But I'd be, I'd, I'd be interested to hear what the two HR experts think about that. <laughs> what do you think about that? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's where a lot of businesses are grappling. And I know I had a, a you know a client ring me the other day going, what do you think? What do you think I should do? And I said, why don't you ask your people? Yes. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, you know, no it's one not has that all... complicated. Yeah, we all don't have the answers. Like we're all working through this together. And if you ask your people and you start to respond to that, you're automatically creating engagement. You're already creating them to be productive. But if you come in and define and, and kind of preempt what you think they want, you've already come from a place of disengagement. They're not interested. They're not going to keep producing great work. They're just going to kind of wait to be told. Um, and I think when I look at leadership and how much it's evolved over the years, I think it's just, it's almost like leadership on steroids. Now we've really just got to accelerate it and just show what good leadership can be and, and just keep connecting with your people. I think it's this real, you know, we talk about things like humanising leadership and really showing yourself and I think that's part of what COVID's done too it's brought you know your home into work you know people are seeing your home they're seeing their kids run in during meetings you know all sorts of crazy stuff's happening um which never happened in the past you know you always kept things separate whereas this there's this massive kind of merge of the two and that's not going back you know there's going to be so many things you know leaders do need to care about people personally and professionally you know, those simple questions, how was your day, how are the kids, you know, whatever it is, they're going to, those kind of conversations are just going to keep elevating, I think, become at the forefront of the way that you lead. Is that for you, Helen, is that what you picture when you, even, I think you said the word think tank, like it's time to do the think tank. It's time to gather the diverse views um, and it kind of picks up uh, what you're saying as well, Gail, in the sense of Many people have dedicated a lot of this year to actually prioritizing, being in the moment, living day by day, not getting too far ahead of ourselves. So all of a sudden, combine all of that, bring the people together and try to make sense of how do we leverage this? Is that what you meant by a think tank? I think, yeah. Th people have had to, in March, they just zoomed on home, didn't they? And they were just... Like people adapt to change really well. They were amazing too, weren't they? They were just incredible. Oh my gosh, it was just spectacular. Um, it was it was fantastic, and they should be really congratulated for adapting so quickly under such really stressful conditions. But now, you will retain your staff if you continue to consult with them. If you give them an opportunity to be heard, to participate, and communicate in a way forward for them, they will feel engaged, they will feel like they're valued, that they're being heard, even if their idea doesn't get up. The fact that you have involved them in a community decision will be critical to how you go retaining your staff going forward. So it does have to be a think tank. People will contribute to this conversation because it's gonna mold the way that we work going forward. So I think consult, consult, consult. Absolutely. And you'll get an engaged and a more productive workforce out of it. And I think the other thing I would add too is that the thing that's taught me is 
using the word flexibility again, there isn't a one size fits all. And I think that's what this is. I think this is elevated is everyone has a different need. There's some people that have to be in the office for whatever reason. They're not safe at home or their environment yeah. at home's not great. There's others that are going, I, I live out in, out in the sticks and that three hour commute doesn't attract me anymore. And being out in kind of the rural fringe, I feel like one of the cool kids now, whereas I kind of felt like, you know, <laughs> not leaving the city, I wasn't one of the cool kids, whereas now I'm one of the cool kids. Um, so I think it's some of those things that I think it's just going to really be working with individuals and going, what suits you? And I think it's that real allowing that flexibility that people will really appreciate. Yeah. And I think, can I just go back to when I talk about the think tank, like the way that we work needs to be collective with teams. So it's a really, everyone knows what everyone's thoughts are, but when it comes to going back to whatever we're going back to next year, you do, HR managers and managers in particular will have to take an individualised approach to each particular request and each individual's um, situation, because there will be nuances that have come up this year that whether it's from a mental health or DV or around schooling or lifestyle change, we've all had priorities that have shifted this year. So we do, as managers, need to take that on board as well. So it's going to be tricky, but I think the key is the connection and showing some compassion and just listening and understanding where people are at. And the word psychological safety, because in a way... The words that you just mentioned, that sense of being able to listen, uh, enable people to connect, even the fact that people can express their ideas doesn't guarantee that every idea gets up, but but at least they're heard and considered. Uh, Gail, if we unpack that at a, not just a perhaps a research level, but at a practical level, how if I'm a team leader gathering my team together, trying to do this in a mindful and psychologically safe way, what are some of the things I need to be doing? Um, gosh, that's a big question. Listen, you know, just really listening, I guess, because um, I think that's one thing that really trips people up is that, uh, so for example, when I do training, we do something like a mindful listening exercise and where the other person can't talk and you just have to listen. Um, and that you know, allowing those, those quiet moments, those spaces, etc. The other thing too is leading from, I'll say two other things. One is also leading a bit more from the heart and the gut than the head. Yep. <laughs> so we tend to um, uh, uh, think our, try to think our way through things. And I think uh, COVID has made that um, very difficult in some ways because we're dealing uh, with so many other emotions as well. And I suspect, I don't know, but, you know, yes, everybody's done well and they've coped and whatever, and they've probably been more mindful, but all of a sudden there's going to be this exhaustion that happens, right? Yes. And that's when the depression and the real challenges come in. So my, my final thing would be for leaders is to say, if you want to build psychological safety, then you have to also practice mindfulness yourself because it's something that until you practice it and you do it and you embody it, uh, it's very difficult to help other people through that kind of experience. Um, mindfulness, we know, is the precursor skill to building emotional intelligence skills. 
So self-management, leadership skills, empathy, uh, all the research shows that compassion is a huge part of being able to create a good team and psychological safety. So mindfulness, while we've been forced to do it a little bit more, I suspect once all the anxiety starts to rush in, everybody is going to need the tools to do it as the definition states uh, on purpose, right? Yep. And non-judgmentally yep. for yourself. Yep. So that's what we try to do in mindful territory is just teach those skills in a simple, accessible way that is structured. Uh, Cause my sense is going forward, all of us are gonna need those skills. And that isn't just people in the workplace, it's our kids, it's teenagers, it's everybody. That makes yeah. complete sense. Yeah. So one of the things before coming together was, uh, and Shana, you actually sent this to me and this is a, I know there's an audio format, but you sent me something that, you know, almost painted the picture of a, a triangle that says probably what we need to do at a simple level is recalibrate, reset and rejuvenate. And it's been interesting in the last half an hour that we've had this conversation, thematically those three things are coming up all the time in, in your discussions. So tell, I'll repeat those words, Re recalibrate, reset, rejuvenate. Um, what do those words mean for you, Shana? Yeah, and it's interesting because I, when I think about those words, I think about it on every level. So as an organisation, as an individual, as a you know, as, as you think about your family and friends, it's everything. It's not just in a work sense would be the first thing I would say. Um, the second thing I would say is um, it really is about, you know, this is a massive unknown for everybody and everyone's feeling quite anxious about what is next and how do we kind of navigate through it. And the thing I would say is I think, and, and Gail kind of already touched on this, is that we've got to start with ourselves around those three words. So we've really got to stop and I think that's where people are almost crawling to that Christmas line. And I think over that Christmas period, um, I'm not saying do it now because I think people are just trying to get to that, that finish line, but it is really about doing that self-assessment around those three things, really thinking about how you're going to recalibrate yourself and all the things that you've kind of done this year and how you kind of want to um, think differently yourself about how you're going to behave differently, do things differently, run your life differently. And then it'll work sense. So recalibrate around how you're going to run your job. So how you're going to do things differently around, and I just think about as a HR professional, and I think about the laundry list of things that are going to be on that list. We're not going to achieve it all. We're going to fail if we try and achieve it all. It's about thinking about what are those, you know, and that's where I'm probably now moving into reset, is really thinking about what are those critical things you want to focus on next year, almost doing a top three or top five. And then... And that's where organisations like the Three of Ours, and I know that Shiloh is one of the reasons that we established this, is we just want to come in and help. So don't feel like you've got to do everything. Bring in organisations like us that can kind of work on a piece of work for you, help you with, through something, whatever it is, whether it's running a bit of a change program, running a bit of a restructure, maybe running a bit of a diagnostic on where the business is at, you know, whatever it is, you don't have to do it all by yourself, right? You know, get, get the resources in, to help you, you know, bringing people like Gail and even, you know, Colin, your, organ you know, your organisation around leadership, you know, you just got to kind of help leaders, help everyone through this. So don't feel like you're on your own. So what I would say about 
those words is really think about where you can bring in some of that support and help. Um, and then that last word, which was um, rejuvenate, I think it is doing those things like go on a great holiday, spend time with your kids, you know, do the things that you love because once you do things you love, then you'll love your work again. Like I think we're awfully like we're getting there, but I think it is about, you know, really coming back and loving what you're doing and until you do those three things for yourself, then you can help the business do it themselves and, and really helping, you know, your leaders in particular help them think about why do they love what they do because we're going to need to do that to get through the next year, I think. It's not a luxury, is it? It's a necessity. Yeah. Like um, I I was uh, with a good friend of mine and, and he runs quite a large successful business and I said something about I'm looking forward to the, you know, the typical end of year break and he said, oh, do you think anyone will have an end of year break? We've kind of been on break, haven't we? And I went, are you serious? Like, what is going on in your head? Like, we probably need a break more than ever before. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't need to fill, fill it with a lot of stuff. Um, and I'm, I'm going to get a bit preachy for a minute. I, I, my consultancy is about leadership. And it's been so delightful for me to tell clients, you know what you need to do for your leadership development? Actually fill it with no models, no concepts, no case studies, no role plays, just create a space where people can talk and process. Because if you didn't learn anything in 2020, I don't think you're ever going to learn anything, <laughs> which is a bit, you know, I don't think I ever yes. said that final phrase, but that's what I meant. That's what you were thinking. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. <laughs> um, those three frames, recalibrate, reset, rejuvenate, do they mean similar things for you, Helen, for you, Gail? Yeah, definitely. I've um, my husband is a big thinker, and I'm a doer, and I just like to have fun. But he's very much like, you need to think about what you want to do for 2021, Helen. And I'm like, oh, God, really? <laughs> really? But you know, it was a very interesting exercise for me to do because you know, when I actually wrote out what I wanted to achieve for next year, there was a work component. There was a volunteering community engagement piece. There was, you know, girlfriend time, what I want to do. We've got a property, which never ends with jobs to do. So we've got that. And then, um, you know, what I want to do with the kids because they still like me at the moment. In a few years' time, they'll be like, mum's uncool. So <laughs> actually, actually, the exercise of sitting down and chunking out what I want 21, 2021 to look like and what I'm choosing to fill my time with and and allocating time to that and sort of planning was a really interesting exercise, which is something that I'm a massive wuss at personal development and someone really needs to push me to that point, but I will go there kicking and screaming. And if you're like that as a listener too, it was a very unscary exercise to go, oh, that could be a really cool year. It gave me a sense of purpose, direction of fun of where I'm like, oh, work's taking up four hours too much a week. I'm going to tweak that with um, a walk with girlfriends on Friday morning. So it was a really beneficial exercise to go. That is going to be really something really exciting for me to look forward to next year. And I think coming out of COVID, we want to have some excitement and you want to get out and about and make sure that 2021 is a bit more purposeful for you, that you do have a really good balance in there. So 
that's something that worked for me for coming under the recalibrate, reset and rejuvenate. It gave me an excitement for, for next year and it was a really um, beneficial thing for me to do. I love it. I love it. For you, Gail, those three terms. So for me, um, so what comes to mind for me is something, um, a term we use in mindfulness practice, which is stop. <laughs> and it stands for S, which is stop. T, which is take a breath. O, which is observe. So either observe in that moment, how you're feeling, where you're feeling it. And if that's too hard, just observing the breath. And then P is proceed. And if you can set your alarm once a day to do that, that alone can create those physical structural changes to our brains to help us better deal with anxiety and what's about to come. And because I do, I, I too, you know, I'm trying to get this business going and I've gone to, you know, different business workshops and planning and all that. And I just realized I finally went to one where they said, you know what, it was my accountant said, you know what, I'm not even advising my clients on that anymore. She said, you know, it changes every three months anyways. <laughs> so I feel like if there's one simple tool is stop. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, can I, I can't help but do this. Like I know we've probably only got another 10 minutes or so to go. And I, I, before finishing, I love to hear from all three of you, how do people find you? Uh, what role can your respective organizations play in 2021 together and apart. Um, but this is my little selfish one. I think there is a genuine risk and it's going back to something we talked about earlier that a lot of people will revert and they'll revert to what life seemed to be like in their mind, at least pre COVID and um, and I don't say this with any blame, but there's probably no doubt that feeling that I can reclaim control for a year that's felt totally out of my control. Um, so I think at some level, there's a normal human response for people to want to do that. But we can't let you do that. <laughs> like we almost have to stop you from doing that. Um, Shana, at least you're nodding. Yeah. So what's in your head as I'm saying these things? Because I don't know that I have the answer. No, and I think my approach is that, again, I think what COVID's taught me is be individual about it and that kind of, you know, employee by employee. So my view is one client at a time. I'm just going to agitate. I'm going to challenge the status quo. I'm going to kind of show them what's possible. You know, all of those things which I was already we're already doing through COVID. So Things like I had a client recently come to me and say, we need someone in Melbourne to run this diagnostic in our business. And I went, well, actually the best person I've got for you is based in Brisbane. Why can't they be in Brisbane? Yes. And they said, because our business is in Melbourne. And I went, well, I can't come into your office anyway. Yeah. So what difference does it make? Yes. And they're like, yeah, okay, good point. So there was this kind of logic that yes. you can't argue against. Yep. Um, so I think what we're doing, and then, you know, you get, Clients go, we need someone full time to do this piece of work. And I go, okay, let's come back to what's your budget, right? Mm -hmm. And they go, 
our budget sees like, oh, well, you could have someone at this level for that budget or you could have someone at this level for that budget who will do it in three days a week. Yes. So I think it's some of those things that I don't think there's going to, and I've been grappling with this too, I don't think there's one simple solution. I think it's about really getting in and like we've all been saying, listening, understanding the client, understanding the customer, what they really need, and then challenging respectfully what's possible for them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's my motto going into next year is really just trying to help. And also on the other end, our HR people too, challenging them around the way they operate and think too. So I think what we're doing is coming in from that premise of really understanding, really listening and really agitating and trying to show them in a respectful way how things can be done different going forward. Leadership is actually um, at many levels I think a lot of people have either been reluctant leaders or fell into leadership or felt like I have to, to progress. Well, I think there's another layer to this. That's, it's a serious role. It's a really serious role and it, it doesn't just affect you. It affects a whole group of people and that's not just your team. It's your team's families and friends. Um, if you don't take the human part of the leadership role seriously, I'd also ask you to reflect on that and, and check out. It's okay to check out. I think in a way we're saying individually, we do all have choices. If the human side of work is not for you, that's okay. Don't put someone through it and affect someone's lives. Am I being too harsh? Absolutely not. I think we've all worked with leaders that don't enjoy leadership, that yeah. have just progressed and gotten into these roles and they're not the right fit and yeah. don't want to be there, but they've got no other option to progress. And I think more than ever, it's about really showing how, and I think we've got lots of great examples and things that we can, and resources and things that we can draw on to show, well, you can still accelerate your career and it doesn't have to be in a leadership pathway. You yep. can be in what you love. And that's where I, again, I'm trying to, I'm pretty simple in the way that I think about things. And that's where I come back to, I ask the simple questions. What do you love about what you do? Then do that. You know, don't do this other bit. Find something that's going to give you that. Um, and I think that's something that I'm going to go into even more strongly into next year about too. Uh, you've made me feel better but I, with that question I posed, but is there anything that that's triggered for you, Helen or Gail? Like how do we, I was about to say stop people from reverting, which is a pretty clumsy way of framing it, but how do we enable people to not go back to what we were before? I kind of think leadership is about empowering others. Leadership is about bringing out the best in your people. And the only way that you get to do that is by asking questions and finding out what's the best of your people and what do they want to do. So good leaders have succession plans. They've got people who will come in and take over parts of their role and eventually their role. And people shouldn't be afraid of that because development in, of your team is a really great, thing and you'll get employee development you'll get retention you'll get they'll stay with that organization for a while and don't be scared of change because you have just had a whole year of change that you have just achieved so much and done so well so just continue with that and I think like I said before don't get into that rut of putting on your work clothes catching the tram or train or walking or riding or driving to work and getting in that office and those four walls dictating what you did prior to March and get back in that rut really um like actually Gail said stop yeah. and just have it you know and think about 
recalibrate, reset, rejuvenate, why shouldn't that apply to your team as well, you know? And um, yeah, just this is a really great opportunity for organisations to do things differently finally and to embrace that. So, yeah, I, I um, think it's a good opportunity to think about who your upcoming leaders are and develop them as well. Thank you. Gail, any other yeah, I, I, Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with both what Sharna and Helen said. And just to build on that, um, I, my sense is those that go into 2021 with the idea or the thought of going back to the way things were before, my sense is that things have changed and probably are forever unchangeable now. <laughs> so uh, in terms of that, but it's going to be detrimental to your health if it's not and to the health of your team. And I think for leaders, those leaders that approach 2021 and beyond that way, they're really going to be left behind because wow. um, the if it's not COVID's not an isolated incident. You know, these are there's there's other factors happening in the world that yes. are going to speed up things very very quickly. Yes. Uh, and right. and you know that that's so complex that there's no way for us as just your normal Joe schmo <laughs> running around the planet to really get your head around. So the best thing I think to do is empower yourself as an individual to be able to navigate that to the best of your ability. And the way to do that is through this thing, believe it or not, as simple and ridiculous as it sounds, of trying to stay in the moment, not looking back, not looking too far forward, uh, being conscious of, of those things. But really one thing that we are not good at and we have not developed um, in the human brain very well is being in the moment. Yeah. And that can make all the difference. I love it. I love it. So conscious of, um, in fact, uh, Emil is kindly putting up the 50, 55 minute mark. Uh, that has gone so quickly from my end. I'd love to think that we could do the sequel and the trilogy and the who knows what. Um, I also somewhat selfishly want to join the three of you and become a fourth connection economy and a multiplier by four or five or six or seven. Um, that sounds really exciting. Uh, but importantly, I think there's a real message, a, th a fundamental message that if you are a leader, if you are an HR professional, if you are a human, it's a really critical time in your life to stop. I, I love the, I love the, the, the actual um, the, the steps in that. Stop, take time out rejuvenate, reset, reprioritize, say no, stop doing things. Um, don't just get swept up in the motion, in the what others want of you, but it's what you want for yourself. And I'm loving all of that. Uh, the question, the final question is something about how can people reach out to all three of you, especially in 2021? I'm smiling a bit because they're already reaching out to you now. And it's like, hang on, do we really want to start projects now? Um, but uh, if people are starting to reach out, where do they find you? And I might start with you, Gail. How, how do they find you? 
what do you think 2021 could mean and in terms of any listener reaching out and getting support from you next year how does that look so um so i can be reached at uh well my email address which is gail.power at mindfulterritory.com and if you want to get sort of uh more information about research or events coming up that we're running, et cetera, you can go to my website and become a mindful territorian. Anyone in the world can become one. So go to www.mindfulterritory.com and you can just sign up on the list. And I'm also on you know, social media, on Instagram and on Facebook. And next year I'm going to be running um, hopefully a couple public uh, training sessions with workshops so you can learn the skills for mindfulness and emotional intelligence. And then after that, you get sort of 28 days of daily prompts and you get support ongoing afterwards. So you could essentially build mindfulness strategically into 2021 and away you go. Brilliant. I love it. And no doubt, even if you were listening and you didn't ca- quite capture all of that, we'll put all of this information in the episode notes. So that's awesome. For you, Helen, how do we find you in 2021? Well, um, I'm at um, Inspired People Solutions, but we've had a not so quiet year where our business has merged with um, a great consultancy in Melbourne as well. So you can still find me at inspiredpeople.com.au, but as at 2021, we're part of the Redden Group, which does a whole heap of work around senior leadership development, executive coaching. We've got a team of org psychs on board as well. So we're really looking at doing that whole a holistic HR piece for organisations and working with them. So the Redden Group is R-E-D-D-I-N group.com. Um, but you can get me at either of those websites as we transition across. But my email address is helen at reddengroup.com.au. And I'm on Instagram and Twitter as well. So, yeah, it'd be lovely to hear from you. If any of us can help you out, it'd be great to hear from you. Brilliant. And Shana. And um, if you want to connect with me, it's my name's Shana Peters and it's at www.shilopeople, which is S-H-I-L-O people.com or um, on email, we've got a generic email, which is hello at shilopeople.com. And also I'm on all the socials, so even LinkedIn, if you want to send me a little message there directly um, or Instagram or Facebook, we're all available. Is it bad that I didn't work out that Shiloh is the combination of Alona and Shana? Like, is that something that I missed? Like, I'm, I didn't, I couldn't make the connection. It's part of our attraction strategy. If you've got that, you're in. All right. <laughs> Hey, hey, Colin, it took me a long time to figure that one out too. And I'm the one practicing mindfulness. So, you know, you you never, you never know. Okay. I'm feeling a lot better now. Um, (laughs) We're about to sign off, but is there any final messages? Um, The other thing I'd say is even if you wanted to just reach out to us and share some of your learnings or some of your kind of thoughts about what it means for next year, I think what we're all about is collaborating and sharing ideas. Or if you want to bounce something off one of us, we would love to hear from you. Fantastic. And um, the one other thing I wanted to say too is, well, um, we train individuals. One thing to also think about is embedding mindfulness into teams and corporations and doing it, doing it that way, which is a kind of core part of our business too. Brilliant. Brilliant. Love it. Um, I'm going to say this. I can't wait to get to Noosa. I can't wait to get to Darwin. I can't wait to get anywhere out of the state. Um, 
But uh, to all of our Leadership of Fools listeners, thank you again. Uh, You're going to hear from us again in 2021, bigger and better. Uh, Thanks, everyone. I feel like part of a gang now. So it's really cool. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye. ThePeopleSpot.com is the place to visit when you need to make the people part of your role easier, more genuine and more suited to you. ThePeopleSpot.com is the new home of people content from Colin Beatty and the team at Leadership of Fools. ThePeopleSpot.com